Welcome to Autism Stories, where we connect you with amazing people that help teens and adults with autism become more independent and successful. I'm your host, Doug Bletcher, the founder of Autism Personal Coach. I'm battling a bit of a cold, so if my voice sounds a little bit off today, that is, that is the reason, so I apologize. Um, recently, I had the opportunity to talk with Haley Moss about what life is like for college students with autism. Haley was diagnosed with autism at age three, uh, and today she holds a Juris Doctor from the University of Miami School of Law and a BA and a BS from the University of Florida. Haley is an artist and an author of two books, the first being The Middle School, The Stuff Nobody Tells You About, and the second book, A Freshman Survival Guide for College Students with Autism Spectrum Disorders, and we're going to talk with Haley about that book today. Her work has been featured in uh, the likes of CNN, The Huffington Post, NBC, and much more. We hope you enjoy today's conversation. Thanks for joining us, Haley. Thank you for having me. I read where you talked about a village leading to your success, which I think is so important. Can you talk a little bit about who's been a part of your village leading to all your success? Absolutely. I always say that it takes a village to raise a child, and it takes an even bigger village to raise a child with a disability, and especially in autism. So my village in particular has been my family. My family is my rock. My parents have been there every step of the way. They're the absolute greatest. I can't say enough great things about my mom and my dad. My village also has had plenty of teachers, professors, and everybody at the University of Miami Center for Autism Related Disabilities. They diagnosed me when I was three years old, and they've literally been there every step of my journey ever since. I'm in my 20s now. I made it through law school, and they've been there ever since, and now I get to continue serving them. Anyone who has reached out to me over the years that I've been able to help and support, it's just been an exceptional journey. Honestly, it wouldn't be possible without the many, many people who have been a part of it. That's great. So I recently uh, had an opportunity to read your wonderful book, A Freshman Survival Guide for College Students with Autism Spectrum Disorders. Uh, I know it's been a few years now, but why did you decide to write this book? I decided to write about college because when I was applying to college and I was excited to go to college, there was pretty much nothing out there that was 
by people on the spectrum, for people on the spectrum, and what few resources there were were written by professionals, and it just did, I didn't feel equipped in the way that I wanted to feel equipped to kind of know what to expect and what was hard for others, and I went to a big school. I went to the University of Florida, which I think is about 50,000 people now, and Nothing was out there about going to a big school. Nothing was out there about all the different resources and different opportunities. And it's the first time I ever saw things that I thought belonged in the movies. And when the movies are your best basis for things like <laughs> water frat parties, right. you're going to be very confused when you get there in real life. So I realized that I didn't want the next generation or the next group of potential college students to go along with the religion not knowing how to be independent, not knowing if they want to go to college, what they want to do. And I know the transition of becoming a freshman is hard for no matter who you are. For everyone, it's hard no matter who you are. But I think for students on the spectrum, there's additional considerations and there's things that just need explaining. And with the way that things change in our world, even with technology and social media and things like that, it's not like our parents have the answers to everything either. It can say college is what it was when we were in college or our friends were in college or our other family members were in college. So I think even being able to be a resource for others on the spectrum and their families is the main reason I wanted to do this is to make sure that it's easier for someone else and that a high school senior or new freshman doesn't feel as lost, confused, or as if there's no guidance for them like how I felt. Yeah, I think that's so important. And when, when you're a college student with autism, sharing this information with others is certainly a personal decision, um, whether to share this information or not. So I know you, in your book, you talked about um, your decision to disclose this information. Can you talk about um, what was behind making this decision for you? I'm willing to be very upfront about disclosing that I'm on the spectrum is not something I have to think about. It's kind of a decision that by virtue of the fact that talking about autism and living this as part of my life is who I am, I don't feel like I got to make that decision in college to come out per se. Mm-hmm. A lot of students can get that decision, but by virtue of having written a book about middle school, having been on television when I was in high school, and having been open at that point in my life, honestly made it no secret. You can Google my name and you would so many when I was the new kid at school that I was on the spectrum. It was nothing to hide. It wasn't a secret. So naturally, the fact that it was public domain made it kind of easier to just know to disclose. It was, in hindsight, I realized more it wasn't whether to disclose or not to disclose for me as much as how I wanted to frame that conversation. Because there are people who I've met who've never met somebody on the spectrum before, or they only see what they see on television or mm-hmm. a very far removed relationship like somebody's brother's cousin. And having to frame how the conversation about autism wasn't so much disclosure as much as this is how autism affects my life. This is how what autism is and for me because as you know, not every person on the spectrum has the same challenges and strengths. So having to explain how it affects me was probably the conversation that I was learning to have at that juncture of my life more so. So I think that's the decision that I had to make more so than, oh, am I going to tell people? Because even before I got into this line of work and before I started sharing my story, it was a very personal decision whether or not to tell someone I was on the spectrum. It was a decision that 
stayed within my family and very close friends and more of a needs to know basis and educators. But as I got older, it's not something that I'm ashamed of whatsoever. It's something I enjoy talking about. I'm happy to answer questions. I'm happy to explain that I have a different way of seeing the world. And kind of looking back on your college experience, can you talk about those that you think it was maybe most helpful to share uh, this information with? I think the people that it was most helpful for and the people that on paper should have been most helpful for are not always the same, which is an interesting thing. Mm-hmm. So I didn't share it as much as my professors and teachers and TAs and all that because I, didn't, I never struggled academically. I, most of my challenges are and always were more in the social sphere of things. So I remember I, I told housing, which was really big because they eventually helped me get a single room after I had issues with a room in me. I think that was very, very helpful. And, and when I think about it, I realized that was probably the most helpful thing that happened is I eventually got to live on my own. I think with friends and having people understand that there are better ways to communicate with me that made that helpful. And also in personal and romantic relationships, I think that's an incredible thing. To, understand, to have someone understand this is how often this affects me, and this is also how it might affect our friendship, our relationship, and certain aspects of social, the social life of college. Because most of college isn't spent in class, it's spent with other people socializing at clubs and in the dorms that are inherently social just by their nature. So I think it, in interpersonal relationships is really where disclosure helped me the most because some people knew it was just easier to be directed me. I've seen with uh, many of our clients that that our college students, when we first meet them, they're pretty isolated on their on their college campus. Do you have any suggestions to kind of help students um, f- become less isolated? I think it, first off, I think it really depends on where you go to school because in a smaller campus, I think it's easier to feel less isolated than in a larger campus. Mm-hmm. And there are things that, had, had I been able to do it over again and I had the knowledge that I do now, I probably might have done a little bit differently. But I think getting involved with some organizations is a great way to go. It's fine. Stick to what you know and what you're passionate about. And you will meet people who are equally as passionate. There are a ton of clubs and organizations especially on big campuses. And if not, you can start one. And I think leadership is a good way to get involved. I think getting involved in your major, if you know what you want to do, is a great way to meet other people, too. I think just having, and even if you have no clue where to start, I would tell people the best places if you have no clue what you want to do or no clue where to meet people, stick to your dorm, your resident assistant, RA, or as I like to joke before, Captain, because it's an older student who knows what they're doing. <laughs> Usually we'll put on some kind of event or something, hopefully, depending on how good your RA is and how seriously they take their job, you will have some good events that you can always meet the people you live with. And that's usually a great thing, is even if it's just a movie night, and the best thing about those is it's really easy to come and go. So I always thought those were great. And something that is probably not the most, typical thing that I would recommend to someone on the spectrum, but at least where I went to school and I wish that I did this, was that I took, I looked into Greek life, which is something that I never thought that I would do or say. I did not join Greek life, but on a campus like U.S., it's something I wish I had considered because I probably would have made friends even if I didn't join a sorority, mm-hmm. that I probably would have met people just going through the process. 
Yeah, and and sometimes students just need uh, time to be alone so they can kind of decompress from all the stress of college. How did you go about finding the the balance between socialite socializing so you weren't isolated, but then getting that much needed time for yourself? I don't feel like I socialized as much in college as I should have or wanted to. I always kind of kept to myself. I was even like that in law school. I realized that I keep to myself and I kind of beat to my own drum. I'm okay with that. Not everyone is. Some people need to be social all the time. I didn't. And I realized that I needed time to myself. And whether that was walking around the mall or just sitting in my room reading a book or just playing video games or just not really, or just watching movies or doing anything like that, I realized that a long time something that I always needed. And no matter what juncture I'm at in life, I try to still do this. I always find time to carve out about an hour each day for me. Mm-hmm. And whatever I do with that hour is something that's going to make me feel decompressed or something feel relaxed or charged or for the next day. So sometimes that's exercising. Sometimes that's just watching TV. And sometimes that's just sitting down and actually enjoying eating a good snack. You know, like, it just really depends on the day and what my body needs and what my brain needs. And if you need more than an hour or you need a day or two days or maybe you need 20 minutes, then know yourself. And I think that's always really big advice that I give is you know your body and you know your what you need and you know what your mind needs more than anyone else will. So the advice that I like to give now is with you time is trust yourself and know what you need. So sometimes you might really need a nap and that's okay. Absolutely. And in in regards to um, students needing time from them, themselves, certainly sensory processing issues can help uh, contribute to that. What environments in college were a struggle sensory-wise for you, and what strategies did you have to deal with those places? Probably, probably the biggest sensory struggle environments for me were parties. I was never a partier, but... By virtue of having friends that were fraternities, I would sometimes get invited and I would agree to go and be a good sport and it was too much for me. I was not a drinker. I was not a loud loud and crowded type person. I'm still not. That's usually what I think for social situations if it's going to be loud and crowded. So really loud music, lots of talking, and a ton of people in a small space, loud and crowded, I won't do it. Mm-hmm. So... Loud and crowded in general tends to be that thing for me, and parties was my Achilles heel, and I would always have a plan if I would go. Is stay long enough to say hello to the people you need to say hello to, or or go with a friend that knows that there's a code word or something that means I got to get out of here, I can't handle this, but have a plan in place. Mm-hmm. So anytime I went into a situation I felt like that might be too much for me, I always had an exit strategy. I still do this with events that I don't know if I'm going to be comfortable being at, is I always have some kind of exit strategy. And back then, when I was in college, this is before Uber and everything, that it was easy to get an exit, to have it easier to have an exit strategy with nobody really being involved in it, mm-hmm. is I always had a plan or I was make sure I know someone or at least knew that there was a way out getting home, getting out, or there was some place in this environment that I could run to if it was too much. And the other environment other than parties that I think was, too much for me was basketball games. Mm. I loved going to football. 
football has my football stadium at UF had ninety thousand people in it, and it was a. So I don't even know how to describe it, but that didn't bother me. Basketball bothered me because I would hear the squeaking of the shoes, no matter where I was in the arena, hmm. and the squeaking would just make too much for me. And I just knew don't don't take Haley to a basketball game. That was kind of the joke amongst my friends: is Haley can't go to basketball games with us. And that was okay. And when we did go, or I agreed to go, I'd say, okay, but we're leaving after the first quarter. Or if I have to go, don't be mad. Or just know that I'm leaving because it's too much for me. Mm-hmm. So communication, I think, was really key. And that's something that I noticed with all these types of situations is with sensory issues. Being able, able to communicate in some way that this might be too much for me, or I don't know if it will, but I'm willing to try got me a lot further than just bailing out and having people go, what's wrong with you? Or what happened? Or is there something we need to know about? Because the fact that I am very open with being on the spectrum and what I struggle with also made it easier for friends and others who knew me to know that this might be an issue. Mm-hmm. Or this might be hard for me. And, okay, we all have an idea that this might be too much. And if it is, that's fine. Right. Now... Now, I read when you went to college, um, like most uh, college students, like most, like myself, you weren't um, certain of what uh, your major was going to be. So for you, what was the process for deciding what major you ended up choosing? I stuck to what I was interested in. I knew that, I, I, knew that I was always interested in understanding people. I think that might be part of being on a spectrum that people don't come naturally to me and understanding them is just so fascinating because I think being on the spectrum sometimes is kind of being like an outsider looking in because you're not from the same planet as everyone else sometimes. So it's really interesting to get to understand people. So I knew that I love psychology. I think I put psychology down as my first major no matter what. And I stuck with it the whole way. But originally I thought about going to art school or doing graphic design. But then I saw the requirements of graphic design program and that the graphic design building was three blocks off campus, and I didn't feel comfortable with that because I'd be walking home at night. So things like that came into my decision, too. And I added a second major because I also really liked school. I was good at school, and I didn't want to graduate in two years. So I added a second major, and I realized at a certain point that I was probably going to go to law school. So I thought that criminology, which is basically like how criminal behavior works and all that stuff, was really interesting, and it would play off nicely with my psychology background. So I ended up double majoring, and I had room for a minor as well. And, I, and for a minor, generally, my advice is that even if it's something you're going to make a career out of, or maybe you will, I don't know, pick something that you think is generally inter- genuinely interesting that you would be okay taking three, four, five classes in. That thing for me was disability studies, which was new and exciting and a brand new thing at UF. And it was through the education school. I didn't know if I wanted to be an educator. I didn't know if I was ever going to be an educator or not, but I knew that I loved disability stuff. And as a person with a disability, I always felt that I had something to contribute. And I thought it would be really interesting to understand things more critically. So I picked up a minor there too and took four five classes and thought it was great. So I think say what you want, but also kind of have an idea of what your end goal might be. Because once I realized I was going to law, I was probably going to go to law school, it made things easier to pick a major. Okay, what might help me down the line? Or what might play off interestingly with that? Or, you know, you don't have to pick a specific major just to go to law school. It's not like 
medical school where a health and spirit science major or something like that. So I realized that I could pick something that I found interesting that challenged me but wasn't too overwhelming and that I can also have fun with and do well. Now, much of what we've talked about already is in, in your your book. Um, and if someone wants to get a copy of your book, A Freshman Survival Guide for College Students with Autism Spectrum Disorders, other than asking to borrow my copy, how would they go about doing that? So, You can get a copy on Amazon, or you can get it through the publisher at Jessica Kingsley Publishers. Great. And in addition to being an author, um, you're a lawyer and as well as an artist. Um, I, I read that you wanted to go to law school and be in disability law. Uh, where are you currently now in that journey? I graduated law school back in May. I passed the bar exam in July. I took it in July. I found out that I passed in September, and I'm currently working at a law firm right now. That's awesome. Sounds like your journey's going quite well. well. One thing at a time. Right, one thing at a time. Now, uh, my, my wife is an art therapist, which has helped me gain a greater appreciation of art. So, I, I know you're an artist, so what type of art do you do, and how would be, people be able to uh, see your work? My type of art, I would describe as anime meets pop art, so I really... I'm inspired by the Japanese style of art and animation, and I also just love colors and pop art. So I love things like Romero Burrito and Peter Max and things that have color. I I believe that color makes things more exciting. I like being able to make other people happy. And if you would like to see some of my work, you can visit my website at HaleyMossArt.com. Yeah. And uh, lastly, I read your uh, personal mission was based on something your mom told you as a child. Can you share that, that for all of our listeners? My mom told me that different isn't bad. It's just different. And different can be extraordinary. Thank you. Thank you for your time today, Haley. It was great to Thank talk you. to you. Thanks so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. and We wish everyone out there a very happy new year. With many college students returning to school shortly, hopefully this was um, good timing for this episode. And uh, so often teens and adults with autism struggle with anxiety and as a result don't have success in their lives. Autism Personal Coach is a unique service in that we help those with autism, some in college, by working on meaningful individualized goals in the setting that they'll be used so their anxiety is greatly reduced and as a result, they can become more independent and successful. To get an autism coach for a loved one or yourself, it's very easy. All you have to do is email autismpersonalcoach at yahoo.com or call us at 216-336-5889 and request a coach today. On next week's episode of Autism Story, we will talk with Mary Ellen Grecian, the Vice President of Operations for the Autism Society of Pittsburgh. Talk to you then.